Hi friends, I am so glad that you're here. I'm your host, Erin Cusio, and this is Room for Lovely. Each week, we'll bring you real conversations with real people where we'll chat about the fun things in life and the hard things in life, remembering that there is room for both. And while not all of life is lovely, there is room for loveliness in every single season. I am by nature one of the least confrontational humans on the planet. I don't like to rock the boat or push the envelope. I'm one of those people that will replay a conversation that I had with you several hours later, wondering if how I said that thing might have offended you or why did I make such an awkward comment that might have made you think I was weird. As I've gotten older, though, I have learned that sometimes it is necessary to speak out and speak up about things that really matter. But maybe even more importantly, it is important to listen, not necessarily to be persuaded, but to simply hear where other people are coming from. My guest today is Blake Guichet. You may know her from social media as The Girl Named Blake or from her podcast, Confessions of a Crappy Christian. Today, we talk a little bit about the process of growing in our faith, setting healthy boundaries, being willing to agree and disagree peaceably, and so much more. Welcome, Blake. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast today. I am thrilled to get the opportunity to talk to you. You are such a force to be reckoned with, and I can't wait to dive into all that you've got going on. You have made a career out of your platform on social media, and that has only come in the last couple of years. So could you start by telling us how you even got here? Yeah, absolutely. So Confessions of a Crappy Christian is my podcast. It started actually four years ago, a week ago from when we were recording. It was my 30th birthday present to myself. And so I've always been a writer. I've always been very talkative. I have lots of words. I'm an external processor. But also in that season was looking for more like messy conversations, honestly. Like I was looking for people that were talking about things that didn't fit into a nice box that you couldn't tie up with a bow, which is difficult because it's much easier to show up to the internet and have all of the answers, much easier. And so I prayed about it for almost a year and then kind of got the green light from God and decided to start it. And it's interview based. And so I get to have these incredible conversations with people who have lived totally different lives than me or really similar and everything in between. And the whole heart behind it is boasting in our weakness so that we can point back to God and who he is and what he's capable of and what he's done in us and encourage other people. It's a, it's okay if you don't have it all figured out. Like We're all in process. This is a journey. I think personally, I am of the belief that we arrive when we get to eternity. So it's just a place to show up and ask your questions. So that started as the podcast and it kind of bled over into Instagram. And so it's just this whole, this whole little multiverse now. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you claim to push the envelope and I think you do that really well. I have one of those little bathroom calendars that you flip day by day with some little cheesy inspirational thing. But the other day I read the day and I was like, oh my gosh, this fits Blake. And I need to hold on to this until our interview. So I want to read it to you because it 
hits the mark. Jesus burst bubbles right and left. He loved people who were different from the traditional crowd. He believed in people discarded by others. Jesus engaged in long conversations over debates. He walked straight into crowds where people adored him, mocked him, and were curious about him. And I think that as Christians, we have kind of had these clenched fists over looking good. Like we want to appear a really, like we're doing everything right, Mm -hmm. but we maybe haven't been as successful as being like Jesus in showing up to love people well. How do you think that we can better serve the world in that capacity? So I'm going to say something controversial here, but what if Jesus was Jesus and we are the unique expressions of him? So yes, Jesus walked on earth and he lived a perfect life and he was sinless and did all of those things, right? Entered conversations and and crowds curiously and with love and i think what you were saying that that stress and the closed fistedness of i want to do this perfectly is that we think if we don't do it perfectly we're going to hurt our witness i mean i love the verse in second corinthians 5:17 that's like therefore i will boast all the more my weakness so that christ's power may rest more perfectly on me like you're not going to do it perfectly that conversation gets weird because the other side is oh so you just sin and do whatever you want no that's not what i'm saying either but what will hold you back from being honest being vulnerable talking about the hard things is the belief that you have to do it perfectly that you have to do it perfectly not that you have the Holy Spirit, that you are an expression of Christ, and you may communicate differently than Jesus did, and that's okay, because he doesn't want little robots. He created you really intentionally and uniquely to be an expression of him. And so I think it's that, and I think it's fear. I would say fear is what holds me back now the most, because both sides get vicious. So if you show up honestly, the Christians are going to eat you apart and the non-Christians are going to, they're going to rip you apart. And so that's, that is scary. And it does take a, a certain level of your security or a high level of your security being found in Jesus. So that when the Christians are like, you can't do that and you self-evaluate and you and Jesus are good, you can be like, well, actually I can, but okay. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think like sometimes we show up thinking that we're being so humble. We think, oh, I just want to be more like Jesus. But what you were saying a minute ago, not of your own self, but of the way that Christians sometimes behave feels kind of bathed in pride. Absolutely. I'm trying to be good enough. I'm trying to hold all of this in my hands when really it's not about that at all. Oh, I mean, that is pride masquerades as humility a lot. Mm. I think in culture and in the church, I think it's, I don't, I think unfortunately that line is getting blurred between church culture and social culture. But yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, the legalist out there is wild. I'm like, y'all, have y'all read the gospels? Cause I, Jesus had, I always fall back on Jesus had held his, a lot of his harshest criticism for the religious. Yeah, absolutely. Which is something very important to note. So when we begin to flip that script and when we start to show up differently, and when we do kind of push back on some of those long held traditions, because it's not gospel, how does that affect our relationships? And how do we keep walking when they fall apart? Because spoiler alert, they probably will. Spoiler alert, they likely will. <laughs> Not all of them. The hope is, you know, I've had the same best friend since elementary school and we have loved each other through who 
all of the different people we have been. And there's some friends that I've had for the last 10 years, but I've also, I would say, lost a lot of friends in the last four or five years as this, the online adventure started, as I changed, as I grew. And I, for a really long time, I saw that as a bad thing. And I would say this year, 2022 was a really big year of healing. The last couple of years have just felt like loss and hard stuff and learning lessons the hard way and ending up with your face in the dirt being like, oh, how did I get here again? You know, and this year has been really restorative and redemptive in that I don't regret the losses or the hard conversations because I trust God with them because I believe that did I lose some of them because of my actions? Possibly. Most of them I I made the attempt to reconcile and that's not how it went. And like we move, you know, you move forward. And I think, but there's also a lot of beauty to be found in, first of all, changing and the people around you coming with you. That's really cool. And also being able to disagree. Like we sit around our kitchen table with our friends and disagree regularly. And we do it lovingly and we do it kindly. And voices may get playfully raised, but I think that the, those that's a lost art. Like just disagreeing with people. Absolutely. I don't understand where we kind of shifted into this mindset that we all have to agree perfectly. Like you said earlier, we aren't a bunch of robots and we somehow have no earthly clue how to disagree peacefully. No. So where do we start? Because you are trying to balance, especially online, naysayers on the non-religious side and the Christians who are, like you said, both just tearing at you. Personally, it's had to come down to boundaries are really, really important in real life and online, as well as that's a really good litmus test for do you actually believe what you believe? I'm a a big proponent of if you can't defend your beliefs while staying calm and kind. To be honest, at this point in my life, I'm not really interested in having a conversation with you because your security is likely built on something other than Jesus and or you don't under you don't know why you believe what you believe and i don't mean that in a snarky like condescending way because i've been that person where you're just fed something and you're like okay this is what i believe and the hard stuff is digging into that stuff and sometimes changing your mind <laughs> which is this whole taboo conversation for people but for me i don't really read comments on my posts anymore Because people are freaking crazy. (laughs) I mean, I've learned that people will read things through whatever lens they woke up with that morning. And if they have decided that they are angry and looking for a fight, they will find one. Yeah. And you, you know, there's that saying that you don't have to show up to every fight you're invited to. So I don't read comments. I limit a lot of people's like access to me online. I haven't had to implement boundaries really like that in real life because we're surrounded by pretty, pretty decent, like awesome people. But, but there, I know a lot of people you like, you have to place boundaries with them in real life. And that's hard. Boundaries online is way easier than boundaries in real life. Yeah. Why do you think we're so afraid to evolve and to change and to change our minds about things? Well, I mean, what we, where we, where you are is comfortable. Change is hard. Change is scary. Also change has this, sometimes has a negative connotation. You've changed isn't always a positive. That's not always a compliment. It should be. 
but then at the same time, I'm like, people change for the worse, for sure. I've watched it happen, you know? So I think, you know, if we're talking about change in a positive, like forward motion way, it requires you to like deconstruct what you believe and reconstruct it. Not just demolish it, but rebuild it in a way that you actually understand what you believe. And then it requires you also to admit that you were wrong. Because if you're going to change, well, I guess not wrong, but maybe not 100% right. Because if you're going to change, you're going to leave behind something that you were doing. Well, like, are you leaving it behind because it's not for you anymore or or sometimes because it was wrong. Like I used to be really defensive, really, really defensive. And I've left that behind and I'm thankful for that. And I, you know, give God the glory for that. And I can look back and be like, that was wrong. I understand why I acted that way, but it wasn't okay. That's hard to do. That is absolutely hard to do. You mentioned just a second ago about the difference between reconstruction and demolishing our faith. And I think the general assumption when we start to just ask questions, like not even change our beliefs entirely, but just ask questions about maybe what we've heard, Mm -hmm. not even read for ourselves, not even decided for ourselves, but what we've heard growing up, then people start to get a little bit antsy, like, oh my God, you're, you're leaving Jesus behind. What are you doing? Yes. And so (laughs) dig into that a little bit more for me. What is the difference between deconstructing our faith and just blowing it all to pieces and reconstructing it around what Jesus truly says? I would say I would love to see us take back the term deconstruction because the deconstruction movement, as we are seeing it in the world today and online, isn't deconstruction, it's demolition. It's and and I don't want to make gross assumptions, okay? I've had a lot of conversations with people who have deconstructed their faith. At the end of the day, it's just heartbreaking. I, it just makes me really sad. But as someone who has experienced a lot of church hurt, which more often than not is the root, sometimes people just decide they no longer believe what they believe. Uh, I think that's just a human experience. But if it, when it stems from church hurt, which most of the trauma I've experienced in my life has been at the hands of people who love Jesus, the unfortunate reality is, was your security built on an institution and a group of people or was it built on God? I would, I would say I've spent the last four years deconstructing and reconstructing my faith. There are so many things that five years ago, I believe completely differently now, but One thing has not only stayed the same, but strengthened. And it's my love for God and my belief that everything is for him, through him, by him. Like, I believe that more now than I did five years ago. So just because some of my belief systems have changed along the way, that's that's decon and reconstruction right? Demolition is, I don't want any of it anymore. And I like, I'm like, okay, when I see like podcasts that are like the deconstruction podcast, I'm like, no, I'm taking that word back. (laughs) It's not, that word doesn't mean what you think it means. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's tough. I hear what you're saying about church hurt and that can be really difficult. I think for the people who have been hurt at the hands of Christians, that can be really difficult to get over. From an outside perspective, looking in, that can be a really difficult witness to get past for those people who are trying to see the church in a positive light. You know, oh, 100%. I read a post somewhere today that said that this person was just kind of starting to get the idea that maybe they wanted to read the Bible. And I was like, oh my goodness, what a novel place to start. Like, don't necessarily look at the Christians read the Bible. Please. That's going to tell you. (laughs) Please don't look at the Christians. Actually, like that would be my take. Don't look at us. 
look at God, look at Jesus, fall in love with them. And then we suck less. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Like, Because <laughs> we're human. And like, I mean, but also the reason I don't read my comments anymore is because sometimes Christians are really embarrassing. The things that we are willing to fight over and degrade one another over, I wouldn't want anything to do with that. Which is a really hard reality to face, I think. It is. But like you said, if we we can start by falling in love with Jesus and then we'll suck less, then I think as someone who's trying to get on board, that's a much more comforting place to start. Mm -hmm. Because like, oh, I'm okay in my brokenness. Exactly. And Jesus will love me even still. Yes. You know? Amen. Completely agree. You have been pretty open about mental health and keeping care of yourself, which I think is crazy important. I have noticed a tremendous amount of conversation around mental health, but sometimes it feels like we're just like circling the airport. Yeah. What do you think that we are not saying about mental health that people need? Oh, I think we are not saying that you're going to have to do something about it. There's going to come a point where you have a responsibility to stop talking about it and start doing something. And to someone who is in the throes of drowning in mental illness, I don't even know if you can say that to those people. But I think what's not happening is we're not seeing, we're not bearing one another's burdens long enough to see people come up for air where you can not pounce on them, but use that opportunity to say, hey, I can see that there's some clarity in you. We, we got to do something. Like we got to, have you thought about therapy? Have you thought about changing your diet? Are you working out as far as, you know, it can go all the way to, do we need to talk to a doctor? You know, there, there's a whole range of, of conversations that can be had there. But, and, and I say that from a place of being the person who I know that my burdens have been very difficult to bear in the past. You know, I've mentioned losing friends earlier and some of those friends I lost because my mental health has not always been great (laughs) or good, you know, and I can look back and see friends that I lost because they simply, they couldn't walk that road with me. And that's okay. I understand that it's a difficult road to walk. Sometimes it's easier. Sometimes it's not, but the ones who have stuck with me are the ones who have been able to speak, you know, like my husband, he's been able to speak, Hey, things aren't going as well as you think they're going. Let's talk about some options. And I think that that, that personal responsibility is difficult to help people who are mentally ill become aware of, but I also think it's, it's necessary. Everything cannot be everybody else's fault or the world's fault or trauma's fault. At some point there's some personal responsibility. Yeah. I think with the world of social media, it's super easy to kind of give this glossed over square tile view of our life. Obviously the highlight reel mentality and that kind of thing. But where can we reach a point where we're no longer just glossing over like that version of ourselves that we're putting out into the world and instead willing to see ourselves for who we really are and then do the heavy lifting to heal. You talked about going through a lot of healing in 2022 how do we start that? Like, where do we even begin if we're drowning? I think I'm, I very much believe that the first step is similar to a 12 step program, which is acknowledging that there's a problem, acknowledging that there's an issue. That is the first and sometimes most difficult step. For example, I quit drinking in 2022. I've never gone to an AA meeting. I wouldn't even say that I was an alcoholic, but it does uh, run in my family. And I know I was leaning on it too heavily. And so at the beginning of the year, I stopped drinking. The first thing I had to do, there's a reason there's a 12 step program is acknowledge that this has become a problem. And so 
that I really genuinely being able to do that with something tangible in my life, like alcohol opened the door for like self-exploration for me to ask God, like if I'm being totally transparent, I spent a lot of the year on my knees in my closet in the dark, simply saying, search me and know me. Search me and know me and show me. I was, but I had to get there too. And I'm thinking about that a lot lately. Like I had to, I had to arrive there. I had to be ready for that, for it to actually take <laughs> and and be effective. And so I, I think everybody should be in therapy, like no matter what. And I think that there's a lot of good that comes out of being in therapy when your life isn't on fire, because that's when you can actually look at these things that are maybe causing the fires. But if you're spending all of your time in therapy putting out fires, you don't ever get to look at the matches. And so this year, a lot calmed down for us. We put a lot aside. We protected our calendars. And I was at a, I was finally at an, a, point, a point emotionally where I could go, okay, how am I making my life worse? How am I, how am I the problem? One thing that I love about you is that you show up so unapologetically you, like you are who you are. I even told my husband, like, I'm kind of nervous to interview her because she's just like herself, like fully herself. And something about that can be intimidating to people, but I love that you show up in that way because I think it's crazy important, but with so much noise around us and so many people saying, don't be that way, don't say this, how can we show up authentically as ourselves without worrying what everybody else thinks? Yeah, you got to stop listening. You have to stop listening to all of them. I think somebody said this to me Lat early last year, they said I was I was talking about somebody saying something mean. Okay, somebody about me. It's one thing to say mean things about content. It's another thing when people go for like the jugular and they they come for you. And so I was kind of like in my feelings about it. And my friend asked, "Do you want their life? Do you want this person's life?" And I was like, "Well, I don't. I don't even know if I want. I don't know anything about their life." And she was like, "Exactly. If you don't want their life, then you don't get to. You don't need to take advice or criticism from them." And then that kind of turned into. A kind of shortened version, which is if I wouldn't ask you for advice, I'm not I'm not asking for your criticism. I think everything, almost everything comes back to boundaries, you know, having boundaries. And for the first time in my 34 years being surrounded by people, my circle is small, much smaller than it was five years ago, but oh, it's so good. It's so freaking good. And those people hype me up and they cheer me on. And they tell me when I'm going off the rails a little bit, but they've earned the right to say both. Nobody else has. Strangers on the internet have not earned the right to tell me if I'm going off the rails or if I'm wrong or if I'm sinning. They don't. And so, yes, the world is very, very loud and very, very opinionated. And you just have to stop listening. And I will be completely honest. I think that that has been the biggest game changer of 2022 because I am very I, I wouldn't say very. I'm popular on things like Reddit and like get off my internet and stuff like that. And I went through a season where I was reading that stuff. Like I was reading what these people had to say about me. And it was, I look back at how defensive and hurt and self-explanatory I was. And I'm like, well, yeah, because you were lit, like letting all of these 
opinions into your world that should have never even existed in your orbit. So anytime I talk to people who are kind of entering this world, I'm like, you need to create boundaries now and you need to communicate them with the real people in your life so they can hold you accountable to them. You have a new best-selling book out, which is so incredible. How did that come to be? Tell me how it's changed your world. Like writing a book is a big deal. It and is. yours has been super successful. So tell me all about it. Thank you. I have a really obnoxious book writing story because most people, you write a proposal, you get an agent, you take it to a publishing house. I kind of skipped the line and (laughs) Tyndale is my publishing house and they came to me and asked if I wanted to write a book. I actually had the bones of a proposal at the time that I had shelved years before. And so we kind of dusted that off and bulked it up and cleaned it up and made it more relevant. And then I spent the last two years writing, editing, and marketing. And it was a hundred times harder than anybody prepared me for it to be. I mean, I'm sure that there are books that are easier to write, but when you are bleeding out on the page and it's stories that you honestly didn't necessarily think you'd ever tell publicly and now they're in a book for everybody to read. I crashed after my book came out. I crashed and burned and was completely unprepared for that. And I feel like I'm speaking about it negatively and I don't mean to. It is one of the hardest things I've ever done, period. But also one of the most life-giving things I've ever done, hearing from women and men, surprisingly, who the whole point of the book is to set people free, is to have the hard conversations and the uncomfortable topics so that you can move past them into freedom. And hearing that be the response from people, it makes it all worth it. Yeah. So good. Well, we are going to put the link for that in show notes so that people can grab a copy because I know they will want to. I am so appreciative of you and just your tenacious spirit. You are so good, so wonderful, and so needed, honestly, um, as a voice in this world where there is just so much noise. Before you go, I have two quick questions that I always end with. And the first is, I want to know, I think we get so caught up sometimes in labels. So we introduce ourselves and we're like, hi, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a this, I'm a that. But what is your favorite thing about yourself? Ooh. Okay. I will say being a wife and a mom, I really do love. Those are two of my favorite things about myself. But I'm really funny in real life. I like that about myself. Good. That's a perfect answer. I love that. The second thing is tell me something good. So in our house, if we need a reset, I'm like, hey, tell me something good. And so it can be big or small, but in your life right now, what's good? Oh, my family is getting to be together so much. And we have spent the we spent the first 10 years of our family being apart and being at work and school. And we're just together all the time right now. And it's so good. Thank you for taking the time to be here today. Every week, it is one of my greatest joys to be able to sit and have these conversations, and I am honored that you find your way here. If you enjoyed today's episode, would you take just a second to leave a rating or review? This helps other people to find the podcast, and it means the world to me. I was inspired by my conversation with Blake by the idea of allowing myself to evolve, place boundaries that help protect my heart, and living a life that reaches out in love to those around me. When we are able to get alone in the quiet and face who we are and become more like who we were created to be, well, that makes a whole lot of room for lovely. 